Hi, I'm Isabella. And I'm Jeff. We're two Asian Australians who want to explore what it means to be Asian in the West. And you're listening to As I Am. Jeff and I have talked a lot about food on this podcast because it's a topic that's incredibly dear to us. And I think a topic that we're so keen to canvas is the topic of food media. And who better than to talk to food media about than Rishani Ifa? If you don't know, she is the current editor, editor in chief, I should say, and the founder of Culinary Magazine, as well as the current food editor at Hardy Grant Publications. So good to see you, Rishani. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, so wonderful to see Welcome you. Welcome to the pod. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, later. we're still on Zoom, but I honestly think it facilitates <laughs> such a good conversation. Um, but anyways, to start us off, I just want to hear about your story and, you know, your relationship with food and what inspired you to launch Culinary Magazine. I feel like Jeff and I have been following you guys for such a long time and it's been amazing to see you guys grow. So we'd love to kind of hear the origins of that and what inspired you to launch it. Yeah, I'll... Firstly, thank you so much and thank you for having me and that's really sweet and lovely to hear that you've followed culinary for a while as well. I guess, yeah, where do I start? Um, I myself, like I I studied journalism and yeah, I had no idea like what exactly I wanted to do, but I guess it was towards, I think the latter part of that degree that I kind of realized that I really love food and, and kind of rediscovered my love for food. I think like any second generation POC, I think our relationships with food are really convoluted and relationships with culture are the same. So definitely struggled with that for a while. And then I guess it's later on in life that I've really come to love food, but also love my culture and love my cultural food and cuisine. Mm -hmm. So that definitely played a huge part. And yeah, I wanted to crack into the food industry, but found it really difficult. Mm. I think it's all about who you know at the end of the day, at least, especially in Melbourne, it feels a lot like that as well, or in Australia. Mm. I guess not having any connections. I did have one person that felt like a connection that I tried to pursue it with, and it didn't really work out. I think mainly because they offered to kind of support and mentor, but then the offer just disappeared into thin air and I kind of felt really lost Mm. and felt like I wasn't good enough to be a food writer and I just I really learned from that and the learning that I took away from that is that I don't want to treat others that are looking for an opportunity like that and also just knowing from having experienced that kind of pushback but also just like radio silence I guess how dissuading that can be for someone that's unsure about if they're worthy enough to be in the industry, you know, Mm. because it feels like that. Like there was that ABC article that came out, I want to say 2016 or something, I can't remember, it was Colin Ho and Nick Jordan. It was, I don't know if you know the article, it's all about how white-owned and run this space is. Mm. And 
I think at the time it was like 80% of food writers and whatnot were Caucasian or white. Yeah, yeah. We're already a minority as it stands. So it felt really hurtful, I suppose, that experience. And anyway, coming out of that, I just decided to put food on the side and pursue like other writing, copywriting, whatnot opportunities. And then it was in 2020 during the Black Lives Matter movement, during the cusp of that, I suppose, when we were all locked down and so many bad things were happening in the world. And I was just really inspired to try and make some change and Mm. so culinary was born out of that but I didn't really have a plan per se I just thought I'm gonna create a blog and call it a magazine and let's see how it goes (laughs) (laughs) and then it became a thing and people started recognizing it and I think because we are Australia's first magazine that celebrates and amplifies the voices of only First Nations black and people of color I think that's why sorry, through the lens of food and culture, I should say, that's when it found its own niche and people started to recognise it as a legitimate thing Mm. and that's how it was born. And, yeah, I think just during the whole Black Lives Matter movement, I think so many of us were feeling so frustrated and so upset and, you know, there's black people in, in America but then we've also got black people, First Nations people in Australia and closer to home, where is that conversation? 100%. And so just trying to reinvigorate, I guess, that conversation here and especially when it comes to our food and just being so frustrated at reading reviews and seeing the way people that write about food when it isn't of their own culture, especially if they don't have an understanding of technique or ingredients and how dismissive they can be or not focus on the crucial elements of what it is to run a POC business, I suppose. Yeah, just a combination of all of that. That's what led to culinary being born. I got chills. I got chills. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> no, I think the work you are doing is incredible. You know, I, I think there's such a problem with gatekeeping mm. in Australia when it comes to so many different things, but especially food. And I think food is just so intimate, right? It's yes. so tied mm. to our cultural identities. And I think, you know, you touched on this point about growing up, grappling with your identity and with that, with food. And it's so interesting seeing your experience. I believe that's something that a lot of first-gen, second-gen kids experience as well. And to be able to kind of like grow that into something where not only are you kind of embracing your identity, but allowing others to do that as well and feeling empowered by that, I think, Mm. yeah, absolutely incredible. So congratulations and oh my God, love the work you're doing. Love the work you're doing. That's very sweet. Thank you. Certainly not my work that makes it possible though. It's everyone else's, but (laughs) I appreciate it. Mm. It makes the most sense, right? Because, you know, it's, Food is so intimate and tied to our cultures, but it is also universal. Everyone eats. It is something that everyone can relate to. So I think as a medium of sharing stories and experiences, it makes perfect sense. But you sort of touched on, you know, the date around when you were launching. And obviously 2020 was when the pandemic truly kicked in. You know, what was the experience of launching a publication during a period where the hospitality industry was so impacted? Yeah, I think, um, so during that time I was working at The View Group. So The View Group is like View de Monde and um, a few other restaurants in their portfolio. So I was working for them as like a marketing coordinator and it was interesting just to see from inside how hospitality was affected and how so many people were made redundant or laid off as a, as a result. And it was really sad and then, it was only a few months into starting at View Group actually that the pandemic occurred and lockdowns happened and everything. So then I was working from home and reduced hours as well. So because of that, I had a lot more time and a lot more time to really focus on the news, I think, like a lot of people mm. and just mm. succumb to it and and think of what I could do to change things or what I could do to help. Like I think the idea of culinary I've had for a while 
but I don't think I quite realized its potential until then. I mean, on that, like, how do you like source the writers that you write about? And I want to explore as well, like the themes that you have for your auditions, like water and fire. I I think that's incredible. And I'd love for you to speak on that. Um, So yeah, I'd love to kind of know how the process actually works when it comes to recruiting, sourcing writers and coming up with these, you know, broad themes. Yeah, of course. So with sourcing writers it's a bit of both like I've done a few call outs here and there usually before a print magazine set to come out I'll do a call out for pitches and that's just usually via Instagram and Facebook and we get you know a few people sending emails which is great and pitching and otherwise you know there's a few people that usually just send an email through um, and just say I'd love to write for you whether it's a website on the magazine and that happens quite organically which is really good Aside from that, it's also me reaching out to people, people that I just think would make a great recipe or people I want to contribute recipes or people who I think might have a really interesting story, people who are interested in, you know, being journalists or food writers, um, that kind of thing, and just reaching out to them and either giving them a topic to write about or um, asking them to pitch ideas, Mm. bit of both. Mm. And... The other question, yes, so themes. Um, That was something I, again, just like randomly sitting down and just trying to think of themes that are varied enough, broad enough, but also can be quite particular, I think, especially visually, because we do have a lot of photography and illustrations as well. I really like to make our magazine really interesting, but also really beautiful to look at. And that's why it's so important to have a theme like water where you can just envisage what that looks like and fire, but also how it ties into a lot of societal problems or topics, which I find so interesting. Like the topic of water affects like so many different people in so many days. There's like so many ways. There's natural disasters, there's water-based recipes, there's spirituality, there's all sorts of things that you can explore. And I like providing people that kind of broad theme to work with because then they can get creative Mm. with it. I love that. And are these elements tied to particular, you know, t- not techniques, but like more so like, you know, things that come from the earth, right? Like is, is it mainly kind of natural based elements or themes that you anticipate culinary to continue? Or yeah. do you think you'll be a bit more conceptual of what direction do you think like themes? Will sure, come? you got to get the four elements in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surely. I know, I could. I could. <laughs> Um, like Avatar. Oh, 100%. Yeah, you can have an Avatar special at the end. This is a, this is a free idea, by the way. It's all yours. Wow, thank you so much. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking of veering away from the elements mm. for the next one yeah. and maybe just kind of, yeah, I like the idea of keeping it quite organic and earthy, but I also feel like, I mean, we live on earth, like all the topics we'll be able to relate to in some way or another. Um, But yeah, I think like getting into heavier themes as well is something I would like to explore of war and things like that as well. Displacement. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I've got like a whole list of of potential themes in the way that they my main thing about the themes is that each theme, like from issue one to two, that they can relate. And then issue two to three, there's like a connection, like a bond there. Yeah, so it's just, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, it's amazing. <laughs> My brain. No, I love it. I love it. And, you know, I love how as well, you know, just given like, you know, your attempts to kind of break into the industry with it being so white and then kind of being like, no, fuck that. I'm creating my own seat at the table. I'm creating my own table. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to kind of touch on and, you know, delve into your personal story because have you found that your story with food and identity has kind of evolved and grown with culinary? Like in what ways has 
culinary impacted your own personal you know journey I guess with food and identity or has it shaped in any way yeah well I've, I've learned a lot that's for sure I think I'm just constantly learning constantly eating different foods it's so great <laughs> <laughs> what a pack I know it's good it's good um yeah my, my own identity like I guess what I mentioned earlier I struggled like most second gen POC with my identity when it came to food as well and and my culture. So that is something that I've been trying to open myself up to and I've been trying to explore my own culture a lot. And it's tricky being here because I've told you guys before that my family live in the Netherlands. So I'm quite far away from my mum and my sister. So it's tricky, but I do try and stay connected to my culture and I think culinary has really taught me the importance of that as well and the importance of people's relationships with their cultures and also the importance of bringing people closer to their culture. And a big part of that for me is, you know, when we do photo shoots or, yeah, when we do photo shoots for the magazines, I'm always there on set because I want to meet the people if I haven't already and actually see what's going on and the technique that goes behind things and familiarise myself with foods and their culture and I think that, yeah, culinary has certainly taught me the importance of that, but also how different everyone's relationship is with their own cuisine and culture, which is so fascinating because you might see a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of differences. Yeah, I don't know. It's just taught me so much. I'm constantly, constantly learning. Yeah. One thing that sort of, I feel like quite a universal experience is that sort of initial shame and it turns into pride. Yeah. And for so many of us, it's sort of, that is a core part of our relationship with food. But I feel like, you know, an interesting thing I always like to think about is a kind of like what comes next. Mm. Be keen to hear your thoughts on sort of what is like the next evolution. You're obviously now an insider into the industry and we're sort of like peering in from the outside. Where do you think our food is headed? Like what are our, like the next gen going to do? Because right now I feel like a lot of modern Australian is you borrow some like techniques from here you embrace your heritage through the food but be keen to hear like your thoughts on where it's actually going to go Mm, yeah definitely I think so something I should have mentioned with your earlier question is that I used to work at Time Out so I was the food and drink editor there and when I was doing that I was also a food reviewer wow so that was interesting because it's something that that I don't interesting yeah (laughs) it's interesting I've been asked to review for like the age good food guide and whatnot as well um I've said no I think mainly because it's a conflict of interest for me but also not necessarily something that I'm interested in doing right now I think I have a very interesting relationship with reviewing I suppose Mm. I don't know if I am the one that should be reviewing other people's food I also don't want to do that with culinary I feel like reviewing can go either way. It can either pitch people against each other and businesses against each other and give them a bad name just because you've had a bad experience or a one-off, you know, bad experience. Or it can help to expose businesses to other people, you know, and open their eyes to venues that they might not have otherwise heard of and, and foods and whatnot, which is good as well. So it's a bit, it's a it's a 50-50, I don't know. But, yeah, going back to your question, sorry, which was... I've totally forgotten because I just went on a rant. No, no, it's um, all good. Oh, sorry, where food is headed next. Yeah, yes, correct, no, got correct. you. Yeah, I think it's interesting with our generations and seeing what is, you know, trendy, like something I've noticed that a lot of people are doing now is like going out to Cantonese restaurants and eating offal, for example, mm. um, and, and taking photos of offal and posting it on Instagram and 
I don't know if it's like they genuinely enjoy it and that's great, like you should, but also is it like a trendy and cool thing to do Mm. to show people that you eat like other food? But I also feel like I've been seeing that on a lot more menus and stuff around Melbourne, Mm. whereas like I don't know if you guys were like, Growing up, offal was like not a cool and trendy yeah. thing. Yeah. It's just mm. something that your parents <laughs> would make you eat. Um, so it's interesting. I feel like that's where we're kind of headed. Sustainability, you know, nose to tail eating again, which is already a construct and concept, sorry, that is not foreign to us at all. It's mm. been ingrained in our cultures. But to Western society, it's this like cool new thing, like, wow, we can save the planet and eat well. And then also I think how that impacts us and like, our cultures and the way that we're going to elevate our food or where we're bringing our food next, I feel like you're going to keep seeing a lot more like, you know, trendy wine bars or something like, for example, what Manze is doing is amazing. It's a wine bar. It's actually incredibly cool. Um, Nagesh is amazing, but fusing our culture with wine, which is really cool Mm. because that's like a, a misconception often that Eastern cuisines, often people don't think about wine with them. Um, so that kind of thing I think is going to be cool in future, but also, yeah, seeing a lot more of what our traditional cuisines really are on menus around the world, um, mm. like in hip, on hip menus yeah. across the world. Yeah. So going beyond just the modern Australian approach and and stripping it back i feel like that's where we're headed yeah um but also you're adding a bit of natty wine in there as well <laughs> yeah that's always that's always how you like merge it all no you are so right i went to yamcha uh with my family a few weeks ago and there was this uh, family of white people and they were eating like chicken feet and tripe yeah and wow. i was just like wow my whole family was just like oh look what are, they, what, are they, what are they doing like <laughs> they don't normally eat that sort of because it's like it's yeah. true right it's like this is the food and to be honest like you trace it back far enough white people were eating off all obviously like for survival reasons right everyone was eating yes it. Um, yeah i feel like at some point they just decided it was gross and now they're finding it cool again but yeah. it, it, i feel like you know it's a, it's a positive direction um it is Definitely. almost like the final frontier of you know tough th- foods to accept like anything that's yes savory but also kind of squishy yeah like gelatinous i feel like this is the final frontier a hundred percent yeah and it's good right like people's food literacy and acceptance of everything like goes up and sure maybe initially it's just like i want to be like accepted and cool but then maybe once they try it they actually love it and i feel like if everyone can get on board it's a good thing yes i think so as well i do i really do think so i think um like for example looking at supermarket shelves like you're not gonna find offal in the supermarket yeah but surely that's gonna change i'm seeing it in coles (laughs) uh, and like woolies really yeah i've seen uh they they sell like beef hearts now they sell liver all that sort of stuff so isabella if you go down to the coles local on Glenferry, and yeah, you go yeah. to the meat department. They have it. There's awful everywhere. There's like marrow bones, there like split go. in half. There you go. Yeah. It's it's there. I don't know who's buying it. I'm not gonna lie, but the fact that they're actually willing. <laughs> trendy just, home chefs. Yeah, trendy home chefs. <laughs> home cooks. Especially in Hawthorne. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is a compl- very know, white suburb. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm um, I'm really happy with that. Yeah, I'm really happy with that. But uh, Rashad, I'd be keen to hear. So you sort of talked about how there is this big 
notion of gatekeeping within food media and just media more broadly. So in your experience, like have the people that you've collaborated with felt safer to tell their stories a bit more authentically as opposed to when they would share their recipes through like traditional media giants? I like to think so. I've been told so Mm -hmm. by numerous people, which is really nice. So it's good feedback to get. I think we as POC would even know that feeling, you know, how much more comfortable you are talking about something like that with an audience that can relate or understand without Mm. fear of any judgment. For sure. And I think it's not just because I'm a fellow POC. I think that also comes down to the way that I approach writers or or talk to them and and the way that I try to make them comfortable when, when they're trying to write a piece because it's such a personal thing to write a story that is personal or to share a personal recipe. And the last thing I would want to do is to make someone feel uncomfortable or afraid of what they're putting out there. And so usually, yeah, that's why I like welcome any pitch out there. And um, I usually try and help writers, but also to educate them and, and edit with them. So then they're left in better stead. So they feel comfortable enough to go out into the world and pitch to other places as well, because I've got that insight, I suppose, from mainstream media but trying to curate it so you're trying to help emerging writers. Um, I don't know if that mm. makes sense, but... No, it does. Yeah. In your past experiences, did you ever feel like you had to hold back when it came to, you know, particular judgments you passed or things you wrote about? Was there a certain kind of withholding that you had or some hesitancy um, because you were writing, let's say, for big, you yeah. know, traditional media giants, um, which are, you know, predominantly full of white people, <laughs> so to speak? Yeah, no, I think for me, it's definitely been more of a thing of just not having a space to publish what I wanted to write on. I think with the exception of maybe like SBS Food, which is a great space and a very safe space for POC to contribute to, I really don't think that there's many places that are interested in publishing the kind of content that culinary publishes, at least not now, because we we let people write their own stories and it doesn't need to be you know, there doesn't need to be a news hook or something. It's not it's not timely. It's just it's just organic. And again, that also comes down to us being an independent magazine. It's not we don't have that kind of commercial expectations or anything just yet. I say just yet because, you know, that might change one day. However, if it does, community will always be at the core of what we do. And it's not gonna be some lean, mean capitalist machine. Like that's not what we're about. <laughs> No, Rupert Murdoch here. No. (laughs) God, no. (laughs) I love that. I mean, actually on that, very keen to ask you, what is your vision for Culinary Magazine? Do you have an insight or are you able to let us in on a particular end goal you have or is it just to continue cultivating this safe space for First Nations, Black and POCs? Yeah, I think for now, because it is still early days in my opinion, like it's what, we're only two years old now. I think it's... I feel like it's it's been around for so much longer. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I feel like like that that too. (laughs) It's amazing though. No, I love it. (laughs) I think my partner probably feels like that as well. (laughs) Um, No, I, I would like to continue to cultivate this safe space and to grow in that way and I think yeah. perhaps grow a bit nationally as well because right now we are quite Melbourne centric so yeah yeah grow a little bit that way and also publish like the type of content we're publishing I love the personal stories I want to continue on that but I also want to publish mm. a few more think pieces mm. just on different topics so we do have some underway which is exciting obviously still has that kind of personal element to it but 
just on broader topics, tackling certain questions and 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 topics. I can't really tell you exactly what it is, but I'm dying to. But... You can tell us when we're not recording, maybe. Yes, I will. Yes, oh. I will. And also, like, open to ideas. If anyone has ideas but they don't necessarily want to write or pitch, like, we'll happily accept those. Um, but, yeah, that kind of thing. And I think just, like, really working on the web presence for now is something that's why I've kind of um, delayed issue three because I wanted to focus a bit more on the website and um, build our traffic that way a bit more and also just – provide I guess a a broader audience a wider audience the ability to read culinary because I do understand that price point can be something that you know it doesn't suit everyone and so just providing yeah a platform for everyone to read and to enjoy yeah Yeah. could I suggest I actually have an idea I honestly reckon it'd be amazing if you guys could do like a podcast version of culinary like get the authors of your pieces to I just like I would love that I'm just so you like, know there's an audio version of like an article especially when it's like written by the person and like you know told by the person I would listen to that that's I was, really I'm just sweet saying. that's really good <laughs> feedback thank you you'll see how it goes with that we'll see. I do love that idea <laughs> amazing yeah. um Keena here so you know it's been two years I feel like we probably launched around a similar time so maybe we share a birthday as I am not oh. you not you and I <laughs> But um, what's sort of been (laughs) one of the biggest lessons learned so far? Oof, that's a really good question. Maybe uh, don't burn out. Mm. (laughs) The biggest life lesson, just try and actually prioritize my own time, which is something I really struggle to do. But that's like a personal context, I guess, aside from that. Just, I guess, also learning that we have biases as human beings and, Sometimes we expect people to tell their story a certain way or you might have an expectation of someone's experience and just to try and put those biases by the door and and go into something without any expectations, I suppose, and, and to let someone tell their story without putting bias in their mouth as well, if that makes sense. Mm. That's definitely been yeah. another, a big learning curve for me. But yeah, something I'm actively working on and enjoying. Yeah. Amazing. Maybe last question. Who's the dream collaborator and why? I don't really, you know what? I don't think I've got a dream collaborator, to be completely honest with you. Ooh, Is that okay. strange? I'm no, not necessarily. Like, no, I mean, like, no. It, it, it yeah. prevents you from being set up for expect, like disappointment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do the, think like that a per- lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have this person in your mind that you want to get on. So for me, I want to get David Chang on the podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah, He's, amazing. To be honest, like. <laughs> Probably not going to happen anytime. Oh, aim big. Anytime aim soon. Big. But never say like, never. Yeah. Who, we, who's your goal, Isabella? I was going to say, Rishani, we have a... So I remember when Jeff and I started brainstorming with this podcast, we like wrote down a list of like, you know, dream people. Lucy Liu, Bong oh, Joon-ho. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mexican. Come on the pod. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. Now we have expectations that I, I feel like we were disappointed by. So no, no I think way. this is a good No, that's to great. Just, like, aim big. <laughs> Always <laughs> aim big. I love that. Um, I don't unfortunately have a dream clever. I think... Mainly because, like, what culinary is is not really about that, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm, it's like true. it's all about, yeah. yeah, just heralding normal people. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. though, one day we'll have, like, Chef Jenny Dorsey or someone amazing mm. like that. I don't really know. Maybe we'll get David Chang to, you know, submit a recipe. Dude, if you, if you got the contact... You hit me up. I'm going to be writing the longest email, just a little love letter. It's like, please, I've been watching you for so long. 
please come, I love that. please come on the pod. But then it's one of those things where it's like, if you actually came on the pod, I'd probably be so nervous when I ask me a single question. It would be like the worst episode as well. It would be like, why the fuck did I come on the podcast? <laughs> you would just be fawning over him. Yeah, hundred percent. Because he's also like quite intimidating. I feel just like he's very blunt, and I'm like, oh. yeah. Yeah, I don't deal. He's with, very switched on. Yeah, I don't deal super well with really blood people. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's better just as a fantasy, you know. Yeah, I was about to say maybe he'll like break the illusion. Never yeah, meet your never meet your heroes. Yeah, you know, they say that for a reason. <laughs> True. Yes. Yes. Oh, amazing. Um. Well, Rishani, before we wrap up, was there anything you'd like to pitch about yeah, culinary or anything you'd like yeah, to tell our audience? Yeah, Um. <laughs> I. Uh. Yeah. No. I'm just always looking for contributors. So anyone that is looking to illustrate or write or. You know, if you're interested in interviewing anyone um, and you need an in as well, culinary is also like a good way to like use it as an excuse to interview someone you want to interview. Um, and then recipes as well. So chefs, like anyone interested in food. But, of course, the catch is that you have to be First Nations, Black or, uh, or POC. Um, and, yeah, aside from that, like maybe shouting out some cool people doing cool things like Jess Ho. Um, she's amazing. She was my predecessor at Time Out and she's doing really cool things with the Bad Taste podcast by SBS. So definitely recommend listening to it. It's so interesting. Most recent episode is on spam and I love spam. Oh, <gasps> yes. Oh, yeah. such a good spam topic. Oh, best. my God. So I, good. Probably yeah. too much spam. My cholesterol is probably not okay, oh, but it's so worth it. Don't read the so nutritional impact. No. Oh, no. Don't, no. don't read that <laughs> sodium line. You know, just, just <laughs> I don't need to know about that Ignore sodium. That. It's delicious. <laughs> it's delicious. So I love spam. Um, and who else? Um, Yvonne Lamb is an amazing journalist, um, gourmet traveler. There's so many people. Oh, my gosh, I'm really struggling. Ooh, Honey <laughs> Child by Instagram. Highly recommend looking up Honey Child. Um, name's Tony, and she's an amazing Creole friend of mine who lives in Tasmania and has the best recipes, like super hearty. She had um, a recent recipe for gumbo mm, in Chichu, which is like Ooh, really good. There's just so many people doing amazing things. Lee Tran Lamb is great. She's just- oh, my God. I'm so knowledgeable. We'll, we'll put a list of this yeah. in our um, amazing. Yeah, otherwise I'll be good. here all day. I love it. Look at all these shout-outs. I love it. I love so it. many people. <laughs> amazing. Oh well, thank you so much, Rishani. This has been such a delightful conversation, and again, incredible to see the you know space you're cultivating. And I've so much hope, and so excited to see the future of just food and food media in Melbourne, in Australia. And it's thanks to people like you. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. It's been an absolute delight. Love your work, Rishani. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks for providing a platform for us as well. It means a lot. No worries at all. And uh, if I always see like these plug things, I'm more like, all right, we've got to do it. (laughs) I know we've got to do it. So if you enjoyed this episode, uh, give us five stars wherever you get this podcast. Otherwise, we'll see you in the next episode. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Bye. (laughs)